0: Hi, I'm Ashley Cooley, a birth baby and sleep specialist and mom of three. There's so much information out there, right? This show is dedicated to helping you clear out the noise so you can figure out what will work best for your baby and your family. If you're looking to learn more about your baby, gain more confidence in your parenting, and get as much sleep as you can through it all, you've come to the right place. Bringing up baby is about to get a little easier. Hey everybody! This is Ashley Cooley, owner of Birth Baby Sleep and host of the Bringing Up Baby podcast. I've been in this business now for over seven years. I've been teaching prenatal classes and helping parents and families get better sleep in their house, for and helping with car seats and babies and postpartum parenting, all the stuff. And over the years, you know, a lot of Repetition comes through because babies are babies and there's certain generalities that we can make and things that we know and scientific research and all that good stuff, but there's also tons of variations. There's lots of different ways to raise your baby. There's lots of different ways to care for your baby and it all really comes down to what works best for you and your family considering the values and situations that you come across. So one of the best things I get to do in our family prenatal class, the one that really gets into the life with baby stuff, is I get to share a whole bunch of information about babies, about the postpartum experience, and I get to answer a lot of questions, but I don't often give like the exact how to's. This is what you should do, X, Y, Z, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, in certain cases, yes. When we're talking about things like safe sleep and just, you know, basic how to put your baby in a car seat kind of stuff. Yeah, there's certain things that'll be really helpful to that, but the rest of it is kind of left up to interpretation a little bit. The rest of it is kind of left for you to figure out what's going to work best for you and your baby and your family. And a lot of those times we can't make those decisions before baby arrives, but we can have a good conversation about it and we can chat about what the possibilities are. And what the options are. Um, but once you have your baby, and you're living that life, you're living that dream, things can take a different shape than you thought they would. And you start learning and googling and hearing from friends and family some things that worked for them and uh, ways that you can help baby or help help yourself do X, Y, Z. And you may have noticed that sometimes it feels like we're being told what to do. And that's not what should be going on here. You should be told, given good information, and you should be supported. But the decisions are yours, and they're not always easy decisions. But basically, what I'm in a roundabout way, what I'm trying to say here is there are certain things that we tend to Google or ask about once baby has arrived and we're living the life that we don't necessarily get to speak to very much. So that's what we're going to do here today. I want to share with you three truths that I think you need to know about motherhood or or parenthood. This could be for anybody, one specifically related to breastfeeding, but, you know, otherwise. These are three things that come up with families I work with. They've come up with myself, but they definitely come up with the families that I work with. And it, you know, every once in a while, I just hear these same comments or things coming up. So I want to share them with you so that you also know that these are issues that other people talk about and think about, but that it really depends on what's going on with you. So here they are. Here are some truths about motherhood. The first one, of course, we have one related to sleep. You do not have to make your baby sleep a certain way despite what everybody else is saying. Yes, I'm a sleep consultant, and I hope you're following me over at Birth Baby Sleep, because I give a ton of great sleep tips over there, but there's other sleep consultants too, and sometimes we need to think about the context of who we're following and, and why, and I say this because there is a wonderful sleep consultant in the States. I mean, of course, there's several, there's many, but there's a very popular brand called Taking Care of Babies, and they're in the States. And in the States, they don't have as great of a uh, parental leave, right? Oftentimes, most of the time, they have to go back to work after a few weeks or even just a couple of months after having their baby, which is one whole other Piece. But in terms of that, this is where we can get confused when we're following or hearing about things from taking care of babies. And I'm just using this as an example because it's a big one that I know a lot of people uh, pass around the information for and have used those services and programs, and they can work really beautifully. Absolutely. But sometimes we're thinking and we're following these ones, and because they're in the States, and because they're, for instance, is kind of a higher need or drive. For parents to want to get their babies to sleep through the night because they have to go back to work a lot sooner than a lot of us do here in Canada. And when you have to go back to work and have a new baby at home who's, say, four months of age, you might really want to help that four month old sleep through the night without feeding because you want to sleep through the night because now you have to go to work all day. So In those cases, this is when we often see or hear about four-month-olds should be sleeping through the night, do not need to eat in the night, can do X, Y, Z, can have longer naps, blah, 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 blah. What we know about babies, whether it's sleep-related or not, is they're really adaptable. And we can help them shape how they sleep and how they do things a little bit. And it is possible. And there are some four-month-olds that do sleep through the night without eating. And it is possible to help them work on lengthening their naps and all that kind of stuff. And that's a lot of stuff, the things that I do. I do like to encourage feedings overnight though, because I will tell you, most four-month-olds, it's not bad if your four-month-old is sleeping through the night already. Absolutely not. But most of them are not. And most of them still need a feeding or two overnight. So when we hear information or see that, oh, my four-month-old should be doing XYZ. They're capable of doing XYZ. I need to be getting my baby on this XYZ program. Well, I'm here to say that you don't have to. You don't have to sleep train. You don't have to make your baby sleep a certain way or do certain things if it doesn't feel right to you or if what you're doing is working. If you have a newborn or an infant few months old, and they're only contact napping, enjoy those contact naps. But if you don't enjoy those contact naps and are looking for a change, then we can work on that. Where I come from with the sleep consulting stuff and the sleep information is I want to educate around sleep. I want you to know what babies are doing, what they're capable of, but also what many babies are doing outside of that because there's so many variations. And we say all the time, every baby's different. So I'm here to educate around sleep and I'm also here to help support families to make changes to get better sleep or to sleep more soundly or get longer stretches of sleep, whatever it is those goals are, you know, based on the needs of the baby at that age. So we're not going to necessarily try to get a three or four month old to sleep through the entire night because it's very developmentally appropriate for them to wake up to eat. And what I really want to get into here is just to say that you do not have to make your baby sleep a certain way, despite what everybody else is saying. You do not have to sleep train. It is not something that everybody has to do. It is not something that everybody wants to do. It is not something that everybody needs to do. So please consider who you're following. Consider who their target audience is. And consider what is working or not working in your house. Let's get to the second truth that you need to know about motherhood, and this is one about motherhood or those who are breastfeeding or chest feeding. You do not have to wean before going back to work. You do not have to think, okay, my baby is 11 months old, I'm going back to work in about a month, they're going to daycare. We're breastfeeding five, six, seven, eight times a day still. So we need to start cutting this back because when I go back to work and you go to daycare, we're not going to be doing this as much and I need to get you used to that. Absolutely not. No, you don't. You could be feeding and nursing your baby five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever, how many times a day, the Sunday you go back to work. When you go back to work on Monday, maybe you'll feed them in the morning before you go and you'll go about your day at work they'll go about their day at daycare none the wiser and then when you see each other again at the end of the day or before bed I bet they'll want to nurse again and because that's a great way what a great thing to stay consistent when big changes are happening is that you still get to bond and cuddle and have that time together Breastfeeding past the age of one is not only recommended, but has huge benefits, particularly when we're talking about the daycare germs that we know are coming. Antibodies in breast milk, it's going to help them through it. I mean, we could get in, we, we had a whole session on on feeding and changes in breastfeeding and our bringing up baby membership the other day. So I'm still thinking about that very much. But I, I really just want you to know that you don't have to change anything when it comes to feedings and you going back to work and or your baby going to daycare. One thing you might want to consider, though, is your body. And if you've been nursing a ton all day, every day, and then you go one day without doing it so much, your body is going to you know, adjust to that eventually. But we need to think about things like block ducts and mastitis or the possibility of them being there because there's going to be a a shift in the amount of times or the amount of breast milk that is coming through your body. So you might for an interim period when you go back to work, if you were feeding that frequently during the day before, then you might want to say, take some time to pump even just once during the day at work, which is your your right, your human right, you are covered by, here we're in Nova Scotia, but Nova Scotian human rights legislation, you are allowed time to pump or breastfeed your baby when you're back at work, whenever that is, however old they are. So maybe you take some time to pump once a day while you're at work. You might find because your body is a year into this, or potentially a year, or 18 months, whenever it is you go back to work, uh, a year into this breastfeeding journey. We know that pumps, there's no pump in the world that's as effective as a baby, but uh, what you might notice is throughout the rest of that week or maybe as you get into week two, if you're still pumping at work, you might notice a little bit less milk is showing up in that pumped bottle. That would be pretty common, pretty normal, but that's what's going to help your body adjust. You don't necessarily have to do that, by the way. I'm just throwing that out there as a possibility. If you feel like you're feeling really full during the day and we want to try to avoid a blocked duct or mastitis because there is a big change in breastfeeding, that can help you get over that little hump uh, that's maybe for a few days or a week or something like that. But by no means does your baby need to have a bottle when they're at daycare. If you feed, if you nurse before nap time, and then they go to daycare and you're thinking, well, nobody's going to be there to nurse them before nap time. So how are they going to get to sleep or what, how is that routine going to change? Well, you could provide a bottle of pump breast milk perhaps, and and the daycare staff can provide that to your baby before the nap or whenever you say that you'd want them to have it. Or you can let the daycare staff get your little one to sleep and do a little routine Because you know what? What's going to come down the pike here, if your little one's not in daycare yet, is you're going to see how they can be a totally different child, a totally different baby almost, when they're at daycare versus when they're at home. Those of you with older kids that have been in this situation, you probably know what I'm talking about. They eat differently, they could sleep differently. I mean, all kinds of things could be different, but because they're at daycare and this is just a new way of doing things and they're going to show them their own routines and their own ways of doing stuff, they're going to adjust to that and they're going to be able to fall asleep with somebody else doing something else a little bit different than you do at home. Okay, our last truth, and this is a big one, but it's one that I really hope that you take home. Most parents, pretty much all of us, experience intrusive thoughts. Honestly, it's, it feels like we're all going to do something wrong with our kids at some point, but especially when they're young babies. And if you're new to experiencing intrusive thoughts, it can kind of freak you out. But I'll tell you that most people experience intrusive thoughts. Only about 50% of us will actually notice them or be bothered by them. But 0% of us will actually act on those intrusive thoughts. And that's what you need to know. Intrusive thoughts can be kind of scary. What is an intrusive thought? Basically, an intrusive thought is a thought that just pops into your head that you did not ask for, you did not welcome in any sense. And maybe it's kind of freaking you out a little bit. So what could that look like for somebody with a new baby? Well, uh, an intrusive thought could be, let's say you're upstairs with the baby you have the baby up on your shoulder, now you're walking down the stairs. So an intrusive thought that comes into this situation could be that you're going to drop your baby down the stairs. So you might think, oh gosh, I'm worried I'm going to drop my baby down the stairs. Because why did that thought just come into your head? Is it intuitive? Does it think that or know that you're about to drop your baby? Like We can really take these intrusive thoughts to another level. And I I firmly believe that the reason why we might take it to another level in parenthood, particularly in early parenthood, is because we're so sleep deprived. Our sleep has changed so much that we we all know how we can feel and act and be when we're on such little sleep. And things like intrusive thoughts or behavior changes or what have you just feel like they're heightened when we're not getting enough sleep, amongst other things. It's a busy life, we know, life with kids. So What I want you to know is that everybody has these intrusive thoughts. Everybody has thoughts that come in that are unwelcome, that are unsolicited, that seem really random, but again, can also feel scary. Another one might be you're about to cross the street with the baby in the stroller, but you're worried that a car is just going to come out of nowhere and hit you. Very unlikely that that's going to happen, especially if you are looking around and you're aware that that's going to happen. Um, but when the intrusive thoughts have to do with something that they, you think you might do, like dropping the baby down the stairs or things like that, knowing that when these intrusive thoughts come, understanding that they're normal and they're common is the first thing. And the second thing is just to you can acknowledge it. you can see that there you can you can listen to it, but then let it go because you're not going to drop that baby. In fact, you might be extra careful. But when you get to a point where, or if, if you get to a point with these thoughts that now we're walking down the stairs, and now I don't feel comfortable walking down the stairs, so I'm going to get my partner to bring the baby downstairs for me, or I'm just going to avoid going upstairs today because I'm a little bit afraid that I'm going to drop the baby down the stairs when we come down. When, when you start changing your day and what you're doing based on these intrusive thoughts, they're overtaking you a little bit. And we should talk about that. Maybe not necessarily you and I, because I'm not a counselor or a therapist, though I have a lot of knowledge and experience and uh, support for the perinatal postpartum mental health community. But if these intrusive thoughts are going to a place where they are concerning you, they are worrying you enough, or they're getting you to not do something or do things differently in a certain way, because now you are trying to work around them a little bit. We're letting them take over a little bit too much and we should try to work on finding ways which may be talking to a therapist or counselor, maybe talking to other friends or family members because we all have them. We're just not talking about them, okay? So know that everybody has them. Most parents experience them and relating to their babies and it can seem fearful, but zero percent of people are acting on them. They are just thoughts. They are not you. The difference between having an intrusive thought is somebody who is mentally well. And I say that somebody can be mentally well, even with depression or anxiety, but generally they're taking care of themselves. But when we're talking about things like postpartum psychosis, which is quite rare, but can happen, those aren't intrusive thoughts. Those are their actual thoughts. And that's the difference. They think that they need to act on them, that that's what they need to do, as opposed to these intrusive thoughts that are just like, whoa, what's happening here? This isn't this this doesn't feel good. I don't want to do this or I'm not going to do this. So that's typically the difference there. So we're going to talk more about things like these intrusive thoughts and relationships and parenting, particularly in our perinatal support network group. So, if you're not already part of that group on Facebook, please go ahead and join. If you're not on Facebook but want to be kept up to date with the events that we put on, the virtual events that we put on, you can check out birthbabysleep.ca and check out our events calendar, and you'll be kept up to date with all of that. And we can just send you the links if you're not in the Facebook group where we post them. So, this is where we have a lot of those conversations. We're going to continue to have more of them. Because when we're talking about bringing up baby, of course, we want to talk about, you know, your baby and what, what developmental changes are going on and how feeding changes and their sleep changes. And we want to educate you all about your baby. But the best thing we can really do is support parents and because you're the ones bringing up the babies. So I hope that you'll take this episode and these three truths about motherhood to say that there's a lot of commonalities that we all have with each other. We don't have to do things a certain way just because so-and-so did or because the XYZ or such and such expert says this. Do what works for you. Do what works for your family. If you're struggling or you want to talk it out or you're wondering what other options are, that's when you can reach out to someone like myself, a birth baby and sleep specialist that can help you navigate the changes that you want to make specific to your family and your baby. I hope you guys have a great day and we'll see you back here next week. If you're looking for more information or support along your parenting journey, check out birthbabysleep.ca. That's where you're going to find prenatal classes, postpartum and new baby resources, and sleep support during the childhood years. You can now join our Bringing Up Baby community membership as well, which has tons of additional benefits to helping you through all kinds of sleep challenges and transitions, navigating the transition to solid foods, and even your transition through early parenthood. If you have any questions, just send them my way. Lastly, but certainly not least, if you got something out of this episode or our show in general, leaving a rating or quick review goes a really long way to helping others find us. So please consider leaving one. That's all for now. I'm Ashley Cooley, and we'll see you back here next time.